If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I was so excited for today's guest. I had been looking forward to it for weeks prior. You probably know Anna Kai as it's maybe both on TikTok or at maybe both on Instagram. She has these iconic get ready with me videos where she gives the most beautiful, poignant, tough love advice. She tells stories about her past dating life. She tells stories about what she wished she knew in her 20s. I remember the first time I saw her video and I was like, oh my God, this woman is just so beautiful in in every way and what she says is just so helpful even as someone who is not in the dating realm right now so i asked her to be on the podcast and she so graciously said yes and we had such a great conversation talking about dating we talked a lot about breakups we talked a lot about figuring out your worth and finding your worth. We talked about how to focus on yourself during a breakup. We talk a lot about finding the partner that you deserve and why so many relationships don't work out because we're not focusing on the person we deserve. We're focusing on the person that likes us or maybe that we feel chemistry with or whatever that looks like. I do want to say that when we're talking today, we're talking mostly about heteronormative relationships. So if you are not a woman or if you are not dating men, just know that that's just how we we talked about it today and does not mean that you're excluded from the conversation by any means. So just wanted to put that out there before we got started. But I hope you guys all either already follow Anna or will follow her right after this episode because her profile really, really is a treat. So here's Anna. Welcome, Anna, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. I've been so excited for this interview, and I'm just so happy to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. I feel like it's like good vibes right now because it's Wednesday before Labor Day. Totally. And like, basically, all know Wednesday before Labor Day is like a Thursday on a normal week because like, I feel like the world is going to be checked out. Yeah. Yes. No, totally. (laughs) Well, and I've already had fun talking to you even before we started recording. So 
I would love to start out. I mean, you told me a little bit about this before we started, but like what prompted you to start talking about dating and relationships? It wasn't tactical move by any stretch of the imagination. It was just sort of a series of, I had been trying to be a content creator for two years prior to this. And I unsuccessfully did home decor, blogging, then fashion. And quite frankly, there's just a lot of people that do those niches better than me. I'm not bad at it. I just think it's like, hey, there's so much content out there. So it just, it was hard to kind of establish a footing in those arenas. And there's actually a lot of people that talk about dating and relationships and female empowerment too. But I just threw up a video on TikTok almost a year ago to the day and it went viral. And and I just realized this is probably what I should be doing and switched very quickly. But I think like many people's lives, like you find success in the weirdest ways and it's not always in the way that you think it will come. And I have failed at so many different things to get here. And I think I'll probably still continue to fail at other things within, you know, this arena. And I think the important thing is just to try because you just never know what's going to work, what isn't. And for me, I could have never imagined a year ago being here. So I'm super grateful but it wasn't, I wish I could say, oh, I had a method, method of attack or yeah. you know, it was like very, very planned. And I think some people do find what they're supposed to be doing in that kind of way. But for me, it was just always a little bit chaotic and random and I'm here now. Yeah. Well, you've totally found your calling. I mean, your videos are like, I mean, married for a while, but like I watch your videos and it's just like, like a lot of them, they hit so hard. They like kind of take your breath away and the way you deliver them is just so it's like tough love, but it's also very loving. Like you can tell that your intention is to really help people, whether avoid the same mistakes you made or, you know, I think it's just really the way you deliver them is, is perfect. And one of the questions that one of my followers asked, and I was curious too, is like, how have you been able to take your dating history or your bat, you know, the stuff that you went through and turn it into such like a positive, lighthearted kind of teachable moment for other people? I think for me, it was what I did for myself in my 20s. I just remember after every terrible breakup, I felt like shit. <laughs> Frankly, and I was like, something good has to come of it. And I just remember that's how I got through all the terrible relationships was like, all right, what am I going to learn from this situation? What am I going to avoid next? And just slowly but surely, I started dating people that were a better fit. Not every guy I dated was a terrible human, even though they might not have been great for me. It was just figuring out what I wanted. And I think the thing that most people run into issues with when they're dating is they don't necessarily know what they want. And so they find somebody that is really attractive, really great, but like their core values don't align. And you see that, I mean, you've been married. I I don't know how long you've been married, but you have a two-year-old. So yeah, long enough to have a two-year-old. And I think we're getting, are you, you're in your thirties? Yeah. Okay. I'm 32 and I'm getting to the same. Okay. Oh, amazing. So I don't know if you are getting to the stage yet with your friends where you're starting to see the cracks form in some of your friends' relationships. You know, I have friends that are 
in couples counseling, going through a divorce now, because mm-hmm. just everything's great in your twenties when the stakes aren't that high, you don't have responsibilities, the unsexy stuff hasn't hit your relationship yet. And then all of a sudden you throw kids and bills and life stressors into the mix and things are just not as sexy anymore. And that's when it really tests your relationship. So I think it's really important just to be like, okay, why didn't that relationship work out? What can I learn from it? And how am I not going to repeat that again? Because if you don't learn from your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I really believe that part of the reason why I'm so happy in my marriage right now is because I realized from my previous relationships, okay, this is just not what I want. This guy was great. I would have married him if he hadn't dumped me. There were so many times like I just, I'm like, God threw me a bone in my twenties because truly every breakup was such a blessing. Cause if I had ended up with any of those men that I would have willingly married, you know, happily, yeah, I would be so unhappy today. Yeah. Just recently, probably in the last month I've heard, uh, like have heard from two people that I kind of remotely know that they were married. And when it came down to time to like, okay, let's start trying to have kids. They realized like, oh, I, I don't want to have kids with this person. You know, like, I guess you don't really, I don't know in your twenties, you're not necessarily thinking about that. You're like, yeah, they'll morph into like a dad or, you know, God forbid, like you have a kid and then you realize like, uh oh, like this is not the kind of, you know, I thought maybe having kids would change this person or whatever that looks like. And that's just not the case. And yeah, I think stuff gets much more real in your thirties. And like you were saying about every breakup being a blessing, I have this mentor of mine who, whenever I'm struggling with something, whether it's work-wise or not getting something that I want, she's like, Kendra, if at one point you got what you wanted, you'd be married to like a farmer in Wisconsin. Like you got (laughs) to... Let's get realistic here. Like, I think the universe knows you better than sometimes you know yourself. So let's like set the perspective straight here. A hundred percent. And, you know, I struggle with that still. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm living an amazing life. I love everything that I've been blessed with, but there are still times, of course, you don't get like this thing or that thing or that opportunity. And you're just like, oh, why didn't I get that? And it's, you know, I think about not only in dating, but in terms of like my career, I really made my first TikTok last year, the one that first went viral because I didn't get a job that I auditioned for. I was a struggling actress for about 10 years in New York. And I'd like to say I have had extremely mediocre success in that (laughs) arena. And I was up for a really like, for me at the time, it was a recurring role on a network TV show. It would have been 10 episodes. It would have been a great paycheck. I would have gotten health insurance from my union again. And I didn't get it. I got a callback. I thought the callback went great. And I think it was like this day last year that I found out on August 30th, right? That I found out I didn't get it. And I was super depressed. And it was about 11 days 12 days. I can't do math. I got married last year, September 10th. So it's like 12 days before a wedding. And I was like, so devastated. And I was like, I should be so happy right now that I'm getting married to my best friend. But all I could think about was the fact that I didn't get this job. That was the biggest role that I've been up for in three years. I mean, the pandemic just screwed all that up. And so I was like, let me just do something to try and make myself feel better. So I just made a TikTok. I was like, who cares? I've got 87 followers. Like, it doesn't matter. And I did it. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And again, 
if I had gotten that job on that network show, I would not have felt motivated to make that TikTok because it's like, why try something new if you have success in what you think you want already? And that job would have been awesome to get. I'm not saying that, but it wouldn't have been a life-changing role for me. It wasn't like a big enough role to be like, okay, now I'm set. I have a career now, but TikTok was life-changing for me. My life has just done a complete, not so much my home life, but like my professional life has just been, you know, blown up in the best way possible. So again, the universe, God, whatever your deity is, it's like, <laughs> they're out there and they're looking out for you. And the farmer in Wisconsin, that's just so damn true. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I, did you actually date a farmer in Wisconsin? I mean, not technically a farmer. It was just someone that lived in a really small town in Wisconsin. So I mentioned, and like living out here in Orange County, probably everyone thinks that people that live in Wisconsin are farmers. So it's probably an exaggeration, but yeah. But something close to that. Yeah. Something close to that for sure. Yeah. I think one thing that I always try to tell people about breakups is because breakups are so awful and so uncomfortable, I think they really do put you in a position to be motivated, not necessarily in a way you think you want to be, but just like, you're like, I will do anything to not feel this way. And I I tell people, it's like, we get those breakup guts where you book that like solo trip to Europe or you cut your hair, whatever that looks like. And I think I always talk about when harnessed correctly, that can be such a turning point. And one thing that you talk about so much is this idea of self-worth and knowing that you deserve not just someone that likes you back, which I, you know, I'd say that my past dating history was if you liked me, I liked you, you know, learning how to have more choice in what I wanted and what I deserved. And did you have like a turning point for you that allowed you to be like, oh, I am worth it. I, you know, I am a catch. I do have choice in this matter. Was there anything that sparked that? For me, A, I would have loved to have done the whole eat, pray, love European tour thing, but I didn't have Same. enough money to do that. So <laughs> to all of you guys who did your healing in Europe this summer, I saw all of your Instagrams, literally everyone and their mom was in, in Europe, which is hilarious. But I had a moment after I broke up with a guy or, you know, he, I don't even know, he dumped me. I don't, who knows how it happened, but it ended after six weeks. And it was one of those love bombing situations. And I've talked about this before, but I think this story for me was like my turning point because I had never felt so crushed. I mean, I had, but it had been probably since college and I remember feeling really crushed when my freshman year boyfriend of like two months broke up with me because, you know, you're 18 and that just feels like the end of the world. But I think at this point I was like 26 and it had been a long time since I felt like my world was collapsing. Like I'd gone through really heartbreaking breakups, but nothing that really made me feel very depressed mentally. slip, And it was, you know, I think a combination of a few things. It was who he was. He was very caring and was just sort of everything I was looking for at the time. And I was in a weird place with my career, not really knowing what I was doing. I'd just broken up with my long-term relationship of almost two years when I met him. And I was really, I think I put a lot of hope in him because it started off so strong. 
And what I didn't realize at the time was he didn't actually really care about me. I think he just loved this idea of me and what I could do for him. And I realized shortly after we ended things, I can't even say broke up because we were never like technically together. Right. But when you talk to somebody all day, every day for six weeks and you see them multiple times a week for six weeks, it feels like the relationship has lasted a lot longer than it has. And I met him like shortly after the new year that year. And ironically enough, I had a girlfriend who knew his ex-girlfriend of three years. And she was like, oh, you know, they just broke up like right before Christmas. And he had told me, that he'd broken up with his long-term girlfriend in July of that year. So he had taken the appropriate amount of time to not date to like, you know, and so I found out very quickly that I was probably his first app date. I met him on a dating app and I was like, this man was just trying to figure out if he was still desirable by like women, I think. And I think the fact that I was so into him, like, you know, a lot of people, I think about this in like female friendships too. Like everybody knows that like bitchy girl that like says, oh my God, I love your outfit. And then turns around to her best friend and is like, she's so ugly. It's because they're trying to elicit a reaction from you to make themselves feel good. Right. And I think men do that too. And the reason why a lot of men love bomb is I think they're insecure about whether they're desirable by the opposite sex. And so they'll love bomb a woman to elicit the reaction that they need. And once they get it, they're like, I'm good. I'm confident. Like I can do better than you. So I'm going to use the confidence that I took from you thinking I'm the world and find better. Right. And I think that's what that relationship came down to. So when it ended, I was just so like, I was just so stunned. I was so depressed and I never, and I still have not felt to this day, almost that bad. And I was just, and the other thing was, I was like, this wasn't even my longest relationship. I was just so disappointed in myself. I was like, I am 26. I'm not 18 anymore. Why do I feel so terrible? And it was just, you know, a combination of a lot of things. So I went to therapy and I just decided, you know, I am going to go. I just started, I just got my real estate license. So it's like, I'm going to go just work and try and become the best real estate agent I can. It was like a very unsexy thing, but I was like, I'm just going to go try and make a ton of money. And I did, I did really well in my career over the next three months. I just, it was a really crazy time because I would be getting out of bed and like, I can't get out of bed, but I was showing at noon. So I would literally lie in bed until like 11, like shower, just get myself together, go to my showing for two hours and feel like better after that, come home to cry and like do it all over again. (laughs) And that's like what pulled me out. And after I, after about three or four months, I was lucky because I found a really great company. I was making more money than I'd ever made. I'd always held like a series of very odd jobs because I was acting and auditioning. So you need a flexible schedule. And this was the first job that allowed me to make like more money than I'd ever made in my life at that point. And I always advocate for women having a source of income outside of their husbands, boyfriends, whatever, because it is really empowering to know that you can do nice things for yourself, that you're not dependent on somebody. And that was the first time I had financial freedom in my 20s. And it was so empowering. And so I would go on these terrible dates afterwards and be like, I don't care. Or like something would end and be like, "Mm, well, you don't deserve me. And I think that's really what set me free is just getting mentally healthy, going to therapy, but also working and feeling like I had value outside of who wanted me. 
Yeah, I think it's like a very scary thing. And when because people will always ask me, like, I was only with this person for like a couple weeks or like what I hear a lot is I was married for 25 years, went through a divorce, started dating someone. It ended after two months and I'm destroyed by it. And I know we can kind of gaslight ourselves into thinking like, it's not that big of a deal. I shouldn't be this upset. It was only six weeks. But the fact is, it is what it is. You know, it, if you you feel how you feel, you can't talk yourself out of your feelings. But it is scary to think that someone can take something so powerful away from you. And I think that's a big realization that people have is like, I don't want to live in a way that I'm constantly afraid of something being taken from me by a partner or by the person that I'm dating. And so I think being able to go through that process, you probably approach dating differently moving forward where you felt freedom to walk away, freedom to say like, no, that does not work for me. And eventually, you know, leading to meeting your husband. But I just think that gives you so much freedom once you can get to a place where you're like, my value doesn't come from you. You don't get to tell me how I feel. I get to determine that. A hundred percent. And I think for me, like the second turning point after that was I got into a relationship, I don't know, maybe six months after that relationship ended. And this relationship also ended and he unequivocally left me. It wasn't like a weird because that gaslighty situation, he was basically like, I'm willing to continue seeing you, but not exclusively. And I was like, I don't want that. The next guy just dumped me. And I just remember being sad, but feeling like I'm going to be okay. And it was the first time I felt like that. And it wasn't because I didn't care for him. It wasn't because I didn't love him. It was just because I was like, I just deserve better than a guy that can't decide whether he wants to be with me or not. And I think when we, you know, that situation where it's like I was married for 25 years, they dated a guy for two months, he broke up with me. I think that happens, or at least for me, the reason why it happened and why that six-week relationship impacted me so much more than my two-year relationship was because by two years, the honeymoon phase is over. You know, you don't want to be with this person. You know, all the problems have come out. At six weeks, you are in the everything's perfect, they shit rainbows phase of your relationship. And we tend to take all the shit from our previous very long-term relationship, whether it's two years or 25 years, and try and find the solution to all those problems in our previous relationship in this new guy. Mm. And then at six weeks, it's like, oh my God, or, you know, two months, whatever they leave. You haven't had a chance to see the bad and the ugly. You've only seen the good. And so it's not so much the loss of that person, but it's the loss of the hope and the possibility of what that could have been. But I had a friend who was in a three-month relationship. It had been her first one in a long time. You know, she's our age and she was like, this hurts so bad. I don't know why, because we were only together for three months. And it was like, because you've been single and like willingly. So, I mean, she's, she could have settled down with a lot of people, but she just has high standards and knows what she wants. And she'd rather be single than be with the wrong guy. It was like, cause you've been single for so long that like for the first time you met somebody you liked And you put all your hope in this person and you didn't have a chance to see the ugly side of him or, you know, to, I mean, you've been married. It's like, I love my husband, but there are moments where I'm just like, he does stuff. I'm like, I could wring your neck right now. Like, it's like, I literally hate you. I love you, but I hate you. It's very weird. Totally. 
feeling. Yeah, I know it is a very weird thing. But I, in one of your videos, you were like, if you're dating someone for six weeks, you haven't met them, you met their PR campaign. And I was like, that yeah. is so perfect. Yeah, it's and, you, and you haven't even on, given yourself a chance. The same thing on like my side. It's not like, you know, you're not going to get the whole side of me at six weeks. Like that would literally be, ins- I also think like, I think you should be honest about who you are. I think you should be real. But I think there is this, I don't know if there's like a clinical term for it, but people who need like the person that they're with right at the gate to know every single thing about them, like yeah. overhearing. And it's like the first couple dates, just let it be nice and pleasant. And, you know, don't try and make the guy fix your entire life in the first couple of days. Cause I see that too with women. It's like, they're so damaged from their ex and they're just like, I just need to know that this new guy I'm with is like there for like all of it. And it's like, you need to give it time. You're not going to yeah. find out in the first month. And if you try to make it him find out in the first month, you're probably going to sabotage the relationship. Yeah. And I think you talk a lot about love bombing. And I think one of the things as someone who has gone through that big time, I think one of the things everybody that love bomb. Yeah, <laughs> I know everybody has. Yes, yeah. I know. And it's so funny because when I went through it, there was not a term for it. No, and so I later on, I was like, oh, I know what that is. Same with yeah. gaslighting. I was like, oh, yeah, there's a term for that. But I think one thing that love bombing, it feels so good, but also makes you feel so insecure because when you're hearing from someone how much they like you and want to spend time with you and they've never met anyone like you. And you're like, I don't, you don't know me, you know? I mean, even if you're not thinking that consciously, subconsciously, you're like, you don't know me. How could you feel that way? Once you really get to know me, you're not going to feel that way. So I think it breeds this like such high and then such lows and it really messes with people. It's a drug. It's totally a drug. And when you're on that high, it feels like you're invincible. And then when it comes crashing down, it is the worst come down ever. A healthy relationship doesn't start like that. It starts off just like, hey, I really like this person. Let's see where it goes. And, you know, people are always like, oh, did you know right away with your husband? Was it love at first sight? I'm like, no, because I was way too jaded by that point to believe in that. And it was just so normal that it was almost boring. It was like, there's nothing to talk about in terms of like, when you go to, I would say, be the most boring person at brunch, because when you go with your girlfriends to brunch, you're like, you're not talking about the girl with like the healthy, stable relationship. You're talking about the girl with the fucked up, like situation shit that you should not been able to let go of in five years. So I'm like, if you are not the topic at brunch, you're doing something right. (laughs) Your relationship is boring because it just works. And like, that's all, you know, it's like, it's great when we're together then that's great. You know, I hope we all get to a point where we're not talking about our relationships. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I remember when the person that I was dating would take up so much of my mental energy because it was like, when did I last hear from them? When is our next plans? When is this? When is that? And it's like, my marriage is obviously a priority, but it's not, I don't think about it that often because I'm doing other things. And and that and that part's really nice. And I remember the first time I was in a relationship where it wasn't causing all that anxiety. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like life changing to know that I don't have to put all this mental energy and mental gymnastics into like, well, they must like me because they sent me this, but then they didn't do this. So I don't know if they like me. They made plans for a month out, but like we're iffy about four months out. Like that is so exhausting to have to exist within a relationship like that. 
And you don't realize it all the time when you're in it because you just think that's what a relationship is or, you know, we second guess ourselves, but it is true. It's when I met Dave, I was like, there is so much more space right now to realize how crazy I am instead of how crazy our relationship is. And honestly, it's like, I never just, I mean, there was so much going on in my twenties between like my career and all my exes that I just never taken time to like sit down and just be still and realize like, I'm really fucked up. (laughs) And, you know, I think it's like when you're trying to fix the men that you're with, or you're trying to fix the relationships you're in, you don't have time to work on yourself and your own mental health. And it's so much easier almost to focus on what's broken in other people than to focus on what's broken in yourself. So a lot of my you know, I had struggled with mental health all throughout my twenties. A lot of my mental health stuff really came out after I started dating Dave. It was the first time I had an OCD like episode. It's weird. I had struggled with generalized anxiety for a long time, but it was the first time I had really had like this terrible anxiety that was crippling for a couple months. I had to like go see a specialist. I was like, what is happening to my mind? I was like, I got everything I asked for with a partner and I feel less sane than I ever have been, but it was because I think a lot of us, especially those of us who like work in content creation, we're we're like always kind of wired to focus on fixing a problem Mm -hmm. because I think that's also what propels us forward. It's like, okay, how do I make my life better? How do I solve this problem to like get ahead? And then it's all of a sudden, it's like, I don't have this massive problem to focus on in my relationship. Okay. I'm the problem now. (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So. No, that's actually I've I've never thought about it that way, but I kind of had the same thing where I had gone through some trauma in my late teens, early 20s, and it wasn't until I was with Luke where I finally was like, okay, we got to take like God take care of this thing like this. I can't just put this on the back burner burner anymore. And I think it's one you have like a safe place where you feel like you have a spot to land and process it with, you know, when your life is calm otherwise. And then the other thing too, is like not stressing about the relationship. Like I can take care of myself because I'm not worried about a relationship. And you recently just did that video about that, the pimple patch review of like (laughs) the woman, for those that haven't seen it, there was a woman who was saying, oh, I love these pimple patches. They're so thin because when I roll over in the morning, like my husband can't see them. And you're like, meanwhile, I'm watching this scratching my ass <laughs> next to my husband. And it's like, you know, it's like that is true freedom within a relationship. I think that's like a very healthy relationship to be in where you're not worried about what do I look like? That stuff is crazy. I mean, it's wild to me that people are in relationships like that. And I don't think about it because obviously, you know, I have my relationship with my husband, which is probably even like too open, you know, like we don't like, I don't shut the bathroom door anymore. So I get that that's not for everybody. You know, people do want to maintain a certain level of mystery, I guess, but it is crazy to me that women, and I think more so than men, feel so constrained in their relationships and people marry guys that they feel like they can't wear like a tiny little pimple patch around. But then I hear about this in real life and some women are like, oh, I don't want to correct my husband when I know he's wrong or like he can't find something and I want to tell him to go check this area and I know he's not going to he's going to get mad at me because he's going to be like, well, are you questioning my intelligence? I've already checked that area. And it's like, oh my God, that's so suffocating. Yeah. I think a lot of women do that because it's the idea. And I thought this for a long time that if you just stay quiet and you marry a guy who's well-to-do of means, whatever, he'll take care of you. And that's all you need is just that protection from a man. And I think a lot of people mistake women who want to marry the so-called well-to-do man or the successful guy, or I hate that term high value man. I don't know why. I I know. I don't, because it's like, I think it inherently goes against like my belief that all people have value. Totally. And even if they're not a high earner, they could be amazing partners and be such valuable partners because what we're really talking about with a high value man is just that he makes a ton of money. Right. So, and he's like classically good looking, whatever. And like, you know, people know this. I always was like, I want to date a guy who is very financially stable. That was important to me, you know, and there's this idea that like women who marry men like that only want to be like coddled and they're gold diggers and whatever. And I think it's kind of the opposite. It's like, 
women who marry hot, whatever, high earning men who don't want to do anything on their own. Ultimately, a lot of them, if you're lucky, you end up with a guy who sees value in you being a housewife and a stay-at-home mom, because my Lord, that is a full-time job. I'm sure you know, I have girlfriends who have massive careers and they had their first kid a year or two ago. And they're like, I can't wait to get back to work because work is so much easier than this shit. Right. So it's like, if you're lucky and you don't work and you're a woman and you become a stay-at-home mom, you find a guy that is willing to provide while he sees the value in what you do. But so often you end up marrying a man who just wants to control you with his money. Mm-hmm. And that's so scary. Yeah. And it doesn't really like happen the other way around just because of the patriarchy and how life has been for centuries. So it's just really important to kind of make sure you have your own independence. And if you feel like you can't object to your husband in any sort of way. You can't be real. Like that's not a relationship, you know, totally. that's you being like, I mean, even my dog has more freedom than that. She lives yes. in front of me. <laughs> like, Yeah. And I hear from people all the time going through breakups where they're like, they tell me about this like tiny little incident that led to the breakup. And they're like, it's all my fault. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like that was, that's not a relationship to yeah. to be in if you can't ask for or like this whole idea with situationships and like asking to define the relationship and then that pushes the person away and then that's all my fault like I've been there but if you can't ask about commitment if you can't ask about your needs being met if you can't ask that kind of stuff like that's not that doesn't mean it was your fault that relationship ended. It's just that's like the universe saying you need to get out of this. A hundred percent. And it's, I think I get, and I'm sure you do too, like DMs from women who are like, I got out of a 27 year long marriage and it took me this long to realize I've been trapped for so long because you think being trapped under the guise of financial freedom is freedom and it's not, it's just a different kind of prison. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I wanted, the term you use is like, I wrote it down, leaving the man you love for the man you know you deserve. I think there's like a big misconception that if people end their relationship, it means that they didn't love the person or there was, you know, that it was the love was never there in the first place. And I don't think that is true. I think it's more comes down to like, I talk about like a lot of breakups come down to just incompatibility. I value someone that is emotionally available and this person <laughs> values someone that can just be there for them whenever they need them, you know, and like that does not work. Um, that doesn't mean you didn't love the person or like the person or love the time that you spent together, but like you have to keep in mind your future. And that is such a interesting topic, especially as, you know, we're in our thirties now and I'm sure we'll just see this more and more, but again, compatibility is something that people don't, I think, think about in their 20s because you're just looking for that romance, that excitement, that love. Well, you think compatibility is chemistry. Like, do I want to kiss this person? Do I want to have sex with this person? Like, that's compatibility. Like, that. that's not, those are hormones. Those are pheromones. Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry is not compatibility. If chemistry was compatibility, I would have been married 10 times over at this point. I mean, the amount of first dates where it was like the chemistry was off the charts, 
is why I no longer believe in love at first sight, because it's very easy to fall in love with somebody who's attractive and you get along with really well with on the first date. I mean, we've all had those dates where like it lasted eight hours that date, you know, you just keep going place to place to place. And then you never talk to them after that. And on the compatibility front, I think those are just intrinsic core values that are not necessarily sexy to talk about, but like So part of the reason why Dave and I get along so well is because we're both like weird in the same way. Like we both don't like to travel. We're not big international travel people. We don't like to get on planes because we're convenience people. We value convenience and just not the unknown of going to a foreign country and figuring out like we went to Italy this summer for my mother-in-law's 70th, which was amazing. But here's an example. We were in Italy and I had to, you know, they confiscated her toothpaste at the airport. So Dave and I went to the Italian pharmacy to go buy toothpaste and some other toiletries. And I bought her denture like cream instead of toothpaste because I couldn't read. I was like, this looks like toothpaste because it all kind of looks the same. (laughs) She's like, it's like denture glue. And so we would just prefer not to deal with the hassle of being in a foreign country. Like our favorite places to travel to are like Pennsylvania to see my parents, like Cape Cod, uh, where we just bought a house because specifically we were like, this is a place for us to go vacation at where like the variables are just set, you know, it's like, we know what we're getting. Or we like to go to Florida and like we honeymooned in Florida in Palm Beach because I was like, well, we could go to Hawaii and sit on an 11 hour flight but I hate flying. And that's not a lot of people. I have girlfriends who love to travel. They will just, you know, they'll pack their whole life in a tiny little suitcase and be like, I'll figure it out. And they'll get delayed by like 12 hours and like, yeah, it's just part of the journey. And they need somebody like that. So neither person is wrong. It's just that it's a preference thing. And I think the biggest thing that people need to talk about and they need to face before they get married is money. It's such an unsexy talk topic to talk about while you're dating. But I see this all the time. It's like, you really have to be aligned in how you see money, how you earn it, how you spend it, because that is almost like the number one thing that I think couples start to fray at the seams because it's a thing that becomes an issue when you have responsibilities and kids. You know, I have friends of mine who like, their husband just doesn't care that much. They're like, I just want to make enough to have enough and save a little. And they are really into like bougie things. And it's like, okay, well, like that's a misalignment, you know, again, neither one of you is wrong, but like, you know, you probably should have found a guy who valued a very just, I mean, it's unnecessary, right? It's like nobody needs to like have a handbag collection or go on these fancy trips or live in a big house. But if that's what you value, that's not wrong. You just need Mm -hmm. to find a guy who values the same thing. And if you marry a man who doesn't value that, who really just wants to like enjoy life, you know, I think about the terms, like so many people are like, oh, I don't live to work. I work to live. Yeah. I think it's also, I mean, those people are also sort of judging the people who live to work, right? Yeah. I'm like, it's just not going to work because they're just going to see work as a means to an end. They're going to do what they need to do to make enough. And then they're happy to take two weeks off, go mountain biking, whatever. And that was never me. I was like, I want to find a career. I want to make a lot of money. I hope to one, like if one day I could retire my husband, that would be amazing, you know, but I live to work because work gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me, I, especially before I have kids, it's like what I get up in the morning to do. Otherwise, like 
you know, I'm not good like sitting around and just kind of like cleaning the house and just, I don't find fulfillment in that way. My husband's the same way. He finds a lot of fulfillment in his career and achieving certain goals. And we're very aligned in that way. So that way, like we're not, we're not fussed that most of the time we spend our days working. He works long days at night after dinner, we kind of go back to work. Whereas most people would be like, that's crazy that he like works until 1130 after dinner. And you know, you guys go to bed and you don't have a night. I'm like, to me, it would be really insane to like have dinner at 730 and watch TV for three hours after that. Like, it's just what I want to do. I also didn't own TV in for the entire time I lived in New York. So it's just about values. You know, there is no right way to live. But if, cause it's so easy in your twenties to find the guy who's like, he's sexy, he's sociable. Like everybody loves him, he's but fun. like the eye to eye on how you see your future and that will come out eventually. So again, yeah, leaving the man you love for the man you deserve. You deserve somebody that sees eye to eye with you and he deserves a person who is not going to pressure him to keep climbing the corporate ladder if that's not what he wants. Yeah. If all he wants to do is be a stay-at-home dad, like let the man be a stay-at-home dad. He's probably going to be amazing at it, you know? Yeah, let him find. And that's what, like, when you're ending a relationship, you're not, yes, you're going to hurt the other person. You're going to break the other person's heart, but you're also setting them free. And it's the same thing with you. Like you're being set free to find someone that is a better match for you. And I want to make sure I talk about dating. So we're talking about finding someone that has similar values. And that I mean, that is a hard process, especially in the beginning. But what are your top dating tips that you have for people? This is something I'm asked all the time. And I am so far from a dating expert. I haven't dated in such a long time. So <laughs> would you know, love any of your tips on that. This is not like a, I don't even know what dating expert means. I know there are dating coaches and, and stuff like that. So like, I, I'm not trying to marginalize what they do, but it's like, at the end of the day, I tell people like my advice is subjective and like, and people are so kind. They're like, Oh, you helped me leave this relationship or you helped me, you know, date better or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't really like, I wasn't the reason you left your, you are the reason because what I am likely doing and what all of us are likely doing in this field is just reminding you of your inner voice and your truth, even when it's the hard truth to listen to. And so when it comes to dating, like my biggest piece of advice is, is like, I don't really believe, at least with like dating apps these days, it's different if you met a guy through friends and like you were friends first and whatever. I don't really believe in like the slow burn on a dating app. I think, you know, if you don't have chemistry on the first few dates, it's probably not going to get better. And so I think dating is a numbers game. The quicker you can go through the incompatible men, or women, for those of you who, you know, don't date men, it's like the quicker you can go through the incompatible people, the sooner you'll get to the right person. So prior to meeting Dave, I went on one date with a guy, I remember it was like the only date I went on after my breakup. And I just realized pretty quickly in that I didn't want to see him again. He was a perfectly nice person. But there was no like, well, he was nice. He was cute. Like, let's give it another shot. I was like, no, I don't need to see him again. Because the thing was, he like brought me to, I also was like, he was like, oh, let's meet at the, so in New York, like there's this ferry that takes you from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And like, I'm such a Manhattan girly. Like, 
I just, you know, I like my she-she things in Manhattan. I'm not a Brooklyn girl at all. Like, you know, I realized like Brooklyn's also, it's, it's just a different vibe. And so he, our first date, he was like, let's meet at the ferry. And I know a great brewery in Brooklyn that we can go to. And I also don't drink beer, but like, I somehow like didn't, you know, I, you don't want to say via text, like, Hey, like neither of those things are up my alley, you know? And so I'd gotten that far to schedule the date with him. And so I was like, fine. So I met him at the ferry. We took the ferry over to Brooklyn. We went to this brewery. We sat around for two hours and I was like, I don't want to be, I ordered a cider. I also don't like, like, I don't like any beer alternative, you know? Yeah. I just sat there thinking I had dinner scheduled with my girlfriend after back in New York and Flatiron. And I was like, I just want to get back to Manhattan and go to dinner with my girlfriend. I was like, I was like, I just don't need to be doing this. And sure. He was nice enough. Like, could I have gone on a second date with him? Yeah. But I was like, this is just not it. And I think a lot of times when, especially when the pool of men seems like it's just non-existent, we want to give it a second chance, but you end up, I had a girlfriend who dated a guy for a year. I kid you not. And in the beginning, she was like, I don't know if I'm really into him or not, but he seems into me. So I'm just going to, you know, date him. And it lasted for a year. And he ended up breaking up with her. And she was like, you know, it's like so insulting. And it just hurts your ego so much when you get dumped by a guy that you weren't even that into. But like you gave him the shot. (laughs) Honestly, that was like a huge turning point for me where I, this guy was pursuing me. I did not want to date him finally dated him and then he broke up with me and I was devastated and I'm like like what is wrong with me here I can't like this is not a way to live it's such a shock to the system so it's like trust trust your intuition I didn't have to question for a second that I wanted to see Dave the the moment I met him I was like oh he's really cute he also took terrible he's a straight man he took terrible photos for his dating profiles And so it was like, the expectation was like pretty low. I will say I was like, he could be cute or he could be Quasimodo, but we're going to find out, you know? And I went, I was like, he's really cute. And then it was just easy. And so that's like my dating tip. And I don't think, you know, dating trend. Yeah, sure. You haven't done it in a while, but it's the, I think the rules are always kind of the same, you know, no matter what apps, like different players change and and the game changes a lot. But at the end of the day, it's all the same stuff. We're just doing it in a different way than our parents did. But trust your intuition. I think women just know innately what they're supposed to do, but they look to others when what they're supposed to do is not the easy thing to do. Yeah. And I think that's what you were saying, like to circle back to what you were saying earlier of what content creators like you, like me do is like we validate that little voice inside. It's not like we're not saying anything you know, revolutionary or anything. It's like, we're just probably affirming something that, you know, deep inside, but it's, we're just giving you that little push for it. So I have two more questions for you. The one of them is, I hear this a lot from people, especially when they're going through breakups in their thirties and they think like, okay, I lost the person that I was like meant to be with, you know, there's this idea, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the term soulmates and things, but people are like, I lost my soulmate. I lost the person I meant to be with. I'm never going to find someone like that. What's your advice to them? That's just your brain fucking with you. I mean, <laughs> literally breakups are like chemistry. The chemistry in your brain is like in a breakup, it's literally like withdrawal. So yeah. when you go through a breakup, it mimics the same, I think my dad's a scientist and he explained this to me like every single time and I'm going to mess it up. 
but your brain is literally going through withdrawal from Mm -hmm. like, as if you were a heroin addict. And so that's why you feel hopeless. That's why you feel like you're never going to find a man again. And it's this term, and this is from my dad, he, which always made so much sense to me. And it's so weird, but it's like when your head is in the hole, like if you think about if you dug a hole in the ground and you stuck your head in it, it's black all around. You can't see that there is sunlight outside of the hole. But if you were just to pull your head out, you see that there's this entire world outside of the hole. You th- you see that there are trees, the sky, everything, you know, and annoying that. And it's like, yeah. we as humans, all we have to do in a breakup is find the will to pull our heads out of the hole. And it's, it's not instantaneous. It's a slow process. But once you do, you will see that it was just your brain messing with you. And even outside of breakups too, it's like outside of romantic relationships, I struggle with this all the time because I still struggle with mental health. And it's like, I struggle, I have bad days. I was like, and it's like during those bad days, you're just like, I literally have no will to do anything. And I just know now, like through just years of therapy, that when those days happen, like just be kind to yourself. You know, it's like, I was actually having a shit morning before this because I really bad. I have like PMDD. So about 10 days to 14 mm-hmm. days before my period, I get insanely depressed. Yeah. And, you know, some months are better than others. Like I'm just having a terrible month and I'm nine days before my period. And it started like two days ago and I, I could just feel it. It's like a shift in my mood where I just, I cry at everything. I don't want to do anything. And I was just like, I woke up this morning and I was like, okay, if all I do is get on this podcast and I have to film like a, a brand partnership later, if all I do is those two things today, that's enough. You know, I don't yeah. need to go do a million things. And I think women need to be kind to themselves and breakups. It's like, if all you do is get through work and then get home and sit on the couch, like that's enough. That's your healing process. Mm-hmm. And eventually you will feel better again. But right now your mind's just playing tricks on you. So your job is to not believe it. I love that. And it's so true. I had um, Dr. Amen, the brain scientist doctor on the show, and he walked us through like all the stuff that happens in the brain when breakups go on. Yes. No. So you're like totally spot on. So my last question, this came from another follower was, how do you knock an ex off a pedestal if you have them up there? I don't necessarily think your job is to knock them off of the pedestal because it's like going outside of yourself. Your job is to focus on how to put yourself on a higher pedestal. I think I love that what it is. It's not necessarily trying to break them down because I always think when you and it's like everybody, you know, it's like you get trolls. I'm sure it's like the people who are trolling you are just trying to knock you down a peg because they're so far on the ground that like they think the way to climbing the ladder is to knock you down a rung. And it's like, no, knocking me down a rung is just means I'm down a rung and you're still in hell. So I think the more you can focus on yourself and becoming a better version of yourself, and I'm not saying go run a half marathon or do those <laughs> things that we can do that, you know, after a breakup, which I did all of them and trust me, they're great. I'm just saying like, get to a place where you physically can look at them, look at your ex succeeding in his career or, you know, finding a new partner and be like, it doesn't affect me. Great. He's living a great life. I'm living, you know, hopefully a better one, but like a really great life too. So the focus should not be 
on your ex in a breakup, the focus should be on yourself and getting yourself to a place where, again, you're unmoved by the circumstances around you. It's just like when my last ex before I met Dave broke up with me, I was sad, but I didn't see it as a flaw in me that he broke up with me. I just thought, well, you're fucked up and you're going to regret this. I was like, I know who I am. And I knew that I had given my all in that relationship and I was the best version of myself. And if he couldn't see that, that was his loss. And it was his loss. Like, you know, and I'm sure he's happy and everything right now, but it's like, if I saw him become the president of the United States, it would be like slightly strange to see your ex become the president and be like, I'm deficient. And I think all women have to get to that point because I think we take breakups so personally and it's sometimes it is just incompatibility. Right. So yeah. Don't think about him. Think about you. You know, and I, we get this all the time. I'm sure it's like, how do I, you know, I saw my ex moved on before I did. It feels like he won the breakup and it's yeah. like, you know, that relationship's going to last. I'm not wishing him, you no. know, heartache, but it's like, you don't know, you know? Yeah. That's not like the objective after a breakup is to immediately like to get into a relationship as quickly as possible. No, it is. Yeah. It is not. It is feeling like you are okay, regardless of whatever happens around you. Yeah, I know. My favorite is like, my ex is dating someone already. And like, he's treating her so much better. And I'm like, Nope, it's probably the exact same thing. Like all you're seeing is social media. Like, yeah, it probably looks better on there. But like, no one can change that quickly. That's not how it happens. They just probably found somebody that doesn't care as much. Or look, yeah, where's the scenario? He is treating her better because he learned from you or yeah. because you're more compatible. Who cares? It is not your life. It's like, you know, it's the same thing as the women who try to tear you down. You know, I think about this in like female friendships or like female relationships, not romantic ones. The people who try to tear you down at work or in your weird frenemy like group circle. And it's like all they're trying to do is just bring you down. And it's like, you know, you just have to focus in your own lane and it has nothing to do with you. That was a different life. You're no longer with him. Think of it as like that man is a stranger and that stranger is treating another girl really well. You wouldn't care. You're like, great. They have a great relationship. I wish I had that, but it is not your life. And if you continuously focus on somebody else's life, you will have less time to focus on your own and make your life really awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You have far exceeded all expectations that I had of this interview. So again, I'm like so excited that that you're on here and I can't wait for everyone to listen to it. Can you let people know where they can find you on social? Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. You can find me on TikTok at it's maybe both on Instagram at maybe both and my blog, maybe both.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Anna. And hopefully everyone goes and immediately follows you if they don't already. Thank you so much, Kendra. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.